Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Welcome to the Church of Roy, a sports drink original podcast. Morning today's show may include adult language. And here are your hosts, Ryan Wilcox and Steve Ewald. Welcome everybody to the Church of Roy podcast. I'm your host, returning from glorious Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm Steve Dewald. I'm joined once again by my partner in crime, uh, fresh back from a trip from Mexico. Uh, a bachelor party Dude. trip. He he looks like he went to a bachelor party in Mexico. <laughs> so uh, Brian Wilcox, Brian, how are you doing? It's so good to see you. It feels like anytime we take a week off, it feels like it's been forever, man. How are you? I agree. I- I'm good. Had a little uh, four or five day stint in Cabo with about fourteen other other guys. So um, you know, I-, I really hope my buddy Austin doesn't get married again anytime soon because I. I- physically can't hold up yeah man <laughs> I, I mean i'm hit the point where my my liver's aging like tyreek evans is upside like it's it's not great like i mean it's if it, i was i was peak rookie of the year and then it just all went away my friend and it's just not yeah. getting any better anytime soon so um yeah, yeah hard, uh, i kind of feel like harden you know i'm aging <laughs> like james Harden, even though he had it he had a nice game the other night, but uh, yeah, yeah, my my playing style. I'm certainly not peak yeah. peak James Harden anymore on the beaches of Cabo. That's for sure. Yeah, like I used to never really understand the people who turned down shots at like events like that, and, and like you know, I was just a glutton for punishment for most of my twenties, and, and now like I I understand those people now, and they were in it for the long haul and not to feel like a hot bag of trash the next day, which. I mean, that's definitely what I am, maybe one, two, three days now. So I try to avoid that type of behavior now. So yeah, all intentions were good, but uh we 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 had fun. Mm-hmm. But I'm uh 
Yeah, I'm happy to be home. I'll I, say that. Now, now, I know not everybody tuned in for a fireside chat about our liver health. So let's uh, let's go ahead and talk a little yeah, bit about the Blazers. On. We actually have a rumor. Um, we are recording on Tuesday, or yeah, it is Tuesday. Um, and the Zach Levine rumor kind of came out, and, and I think it's layered. And I, I think a lot of people dismissed it really quickly, which I'm not saying I'm not doing that either. But I think it is something that, we are going to have to get used to in Portland. So basically, the, the root of this this uh, this rumor is uh, Brian Windhorse mentioned it on the Hoop Collective podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. Brian Windhorse, uh, we'll get to how he's dialed in and where he came up in a second, mm-hmm. but um, basically suggested that Zach Levine, upcoming unrestricted free agent, uh, is not a lock to return to Chicago and Portland is potentially a landing place for him, according to his sources. Um, Zach Levine, real quick, two-time All-Star entering this this offseason, uh, two consecutive years in a row. Uh, a very fun and exciting Bulls team uh, had a pretty short-lived playoff experience this year, but still, you know, a feel-good story. Uh, Zach Levine, definitely the leader on that team or, or one of the leaders, depends on how you, you I guess, DeMar DeRozan kind of stole the show this year. But um, anyway, Brian, what do you make of the Zach Levine rumor? Um, let's unpack this first with, I guess, the crux of it is, do you buy it? Do you buy the Zach Levine rumor that Portland could be an option? Um, I buy the rumor that he might be sniffing around other teams this summer, just mostly due to his agency, which I'm sure we'll get into mm-hmm. in clutch and how kind of what their impact on the league these days is. But just as far as, you know, the why of he's looking, I really don't understand with, I think that's just a great squad when you put him next to a, you know, a guy that doesn't need to need the ball in the backcourt with Lonzo ball. They seem like a very nice mesh there. He had kind of his, co one option in DeMar DeRozan, then a really skilled post guy with Booch. So to me, I'm a little surprised to hear this. And uh, especially with as much money as he can leave on the table, mm-hmm. it's, it's shocking. And then to roll Portland into it, there's definitely some cap gymnastics that have to happen, right? To even make this feasible. Mm-hmm. And the opportunity cost of getting Zach Levine is extremely high. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I'll be, I'll be quite frank with you, Steve. I'm relatively new on board of this news. Uh, I had a lot of work to catch up on today. I was not moving very quickly. So I'm leaning on you a little bit no, to no. walk me through some of those, uh, cap, you know, hey, that's gymnastics to get there. That's what I'm here for. Luckily I was not on the golden nuggets internet service. I was back from <laughs> Vegas. So I was able to do a full, uh, plate of research when I kind of got home today. Um, basically let's just get, I guess I'll, I'll answer the question I asked you. I don't really buy the Blazers as a, a viable option for Zach Levine. Um, we'll get into why the Blazers are going to get mentioned a lot here real shortly. Um, Zach Levine, this is exactly why he went to clutch. He went to clutch, you know, right around the Olympics last year, um, left longtime agent, Bill Duffy, kind of a, you know, guy who's been in the industry since the mid eighties, um, went to clutch this is a guy, Zach Levine's kind of rewriting history a little bit, which, you know, you can't really blame him. So he left the Timberwolves as a rookie, signed a very big offer sheet, which I believe the Kings offered him. And then, you know, ended up the, the Wolves matched it and then traded him to Chicago as part of that Jimmy Butler deal. Um, you know, 
he's saying that he was underpaid. He he outperformed that contract, which is somewhat true. I mean, he did uh, make two All Star games, but I mean, as far as like playoff mm-hmm. wins and postseason production, I mean, it was just it's not there. Um, so that's to be to be decided. But what he did do is he went to clutch to advocate for stuff like this. I mean, even if he does, I, I think Chicago's still the favorite for a reason you mentioned is that the money that he gets if he goes back to Chicago is in the $200 million range. No other team can get quite there. Um, and really, Chicago might have cold feet about ponying up that money. And that's why you have to make sure that news like this comes out if you're clutch. You have to make sure that you know there is a, a, a viable active market for Zach Levine if he does decide to go test the open waters. Um, the Blazers are in a situation where they're one of few teams that has cap flexibility if they renounce everything. And when I say renounce everything, that means uh, Anthony Simons, Yusuf Nurkic, Josh Hart, um, obviously you're still getting rid of the Bledsoe deal. You have to get rid of your TPEs. Like you basically have to clean house to go get a two-time all-star guard. Like, I mean, I, I think there's an argument to be made that if CJ McCollum was in the East, he maybe could have made a couple all-star games himself. So it's like, we've seen this yeah. before. So I don't know if this really, I don't think it just makes sense for what the Blazers would have to give up. Um, but because the Blazers can mechanically make the room to, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash match. Just go to indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. And get a player like Zach Levine. You're going to see the Blazers involved in tons of rumors like this all through the offseason. So if you're a Blazer fan and you're not used to seeing this type of stuff in the news, get ready because it is going to be nonstop until like July, middle of July, basically. As long as the Blazers have flexibility, they're going to be a leverage point for all these other teams. And really, we saw it very briefly, I believe in 2015 or 2016 with J.R. Smith. If you go back and look at some of the stories around that time, J.R. Smith was in a battle to get a deal he wanted with the, the Cleveland Cavaliers. They were kind of slow balling him because they knew there was just no other money out there. And they used the Blazers as a leverage point for him to get a new contract with the Cavs. So I think it's going to be a repeat of stuff like that, but at a much larger scale. And it's going to be a lot more players that you're going to be talking about. Um, is there anything that stands out to you about clutch? I want to know if, if you have the same kind of 
I think this is the most intriguing part of the story. And I wonder if you're on the same page as me. Like, do you take anything from it being clutch specifically that's floating the Blazers? Hey, it's producer Perry here, and I want to talk to you about a new app we've been using here on the Church of Roy called ColorCast. ColorCast is a live audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and totally free to use. You can talk to me, other fans, Brian, Steve, athletes, and insiders all in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. And the best thing is that you can share your own experiences on the app. All you have to do is download the ColorCast app free on the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join any group you want. It's that easy. That's the ColorCast app on the iOS App Store. Um, I think they'd float anybody if they meant they'd get their guy a bigger deal. You know, I I hate that term disruptor, but it does seem like Clutch is a too, true disruptor in, in the industry and uh, leveraging their their guys as groups to to propel their guys forward financially. Um, I don't know, man. I guess obviously you got Nurk there. Yep. I think is the is the big one, mm-hmm. but it's kind of bizarre because even to get Levine on this team, you're cutting bait with Nurk. That's that's it, man. And, Bingo. <laughs> and I don't know. I can't think of a team that has more or that Nurk has more value to than Portland. Period. And so there seems to be that right there just kind of throws up the red flag in my mind that in order to get this guy to this team, they're cutting one of your clients who then will almost assuredly, you never know, it's the NBA, but almost assuredly would not find as good a deal as he will find in Portland. And that's, that's it for me. That was the thing that stood out for me as far as I have very much, and I think you agree with me too, is I've pretty much been operating on the idea that Yusuf Nurkic is a lock to return to the Blazers next year. And I yeah. did think it was interesting that the Blazers were floated as a possible landing spot for Zach Levine. And, you know, by Brian Windhurst, which I, I mentioned earlier, is someone who came up with LeBron James. LeBron James is obviously very connected to the, to the clutch uh, Rich Paul and the clutch clients. So it, it was interesting to me that they mentioned the Blazers, because like you said, that means you have to get rid of Yusuf Nurkic in order to make that work. I mean, there, there are other ways to do it. There are sign and trades, and do you move on from Anthony Simons? And is that something the Bulls are interested in? I don't know. But it is odd to see that because this is the same Yusuf Nurkic where once upon a time there was a deal in place potentially with the Pelicans uh, involving DeMarcus Cousins. And there was a conflict of interest with similar clients and redundant positions at the center spot with DeMarcus Cousins and Yusuf Nurkic mm-hmm. that eventually it sounds – like it nicks that deal. So I, I don't really know what's going on here. I, I think it's just a, a, a thing of, of gainsmanship by, by clutch and doing their due diligence. I mean, this is why Zach Levine hired them. He wants them to go out and do his work. I mean, they're going to get a, a good chunk of his next contract and it's going to be a lot of money. So he wants to make sure they want, they at least want to make sure they're advocating for their clients is, is where I go with it. Um, any final, any final thoughts on Levine before we move on? No, I think we pretty much nailed it just for just to entertain the thought. How would you like a Levine fit with a Portland squad, especially when you consider they're going to have to essentially gut the team. Mm-hmm. But even just with the pl- pieces, you know, will be in place. The, the Nas Littles, the Dane Willards. How, how do you see him fitting in into this revamped Portland team? So 
you know, he, I mean, he is a two-time all-star. I mean, Dame hasn't played with another all-star player since LaMarcus left. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do, like I said, I think there's an argument to be made about where CJ McCollum fits in that hierarchy. Um, I, I mean, it's a lot of offense, not a lot of defense. We've seen that. Um, Zach Levine is a little bigger and a little more athletic, but like as far as defensively, that that translates more on the offensive side than it does on the defensive side in Zach Levine's case. Um, you, you know, it, it is a high-profile player. It'd be one of the highest profile. It, it'd probably be the biggest signing ever for the Blazers, I would say. I mean, yeah, yeah Kenny Anderson, Brian Grant, I mean, are you probably your only other competition? Um <laughs> Huge bar. Yeah. Hey, Kenny. I love, love those guys. Yeah. But. yeah. Kenny Anderson was a big deal. So, um, and well, and Andre Miller too. I don't want to leave out Andre Miller, but, um, you know, it, it would be a big signing, but I don't know if it moves you forward into a better position uh, of what you're trying to do right now. Now, if there is a sign and trade for Anthony Simons and, and Zach Levine, like straight across, and that's the deal, you know, I'm a huge Anthony Simons guy, but like, I, Zach Levine is already what you want Anthony Simons to become. Basically you want, like he is already an all-star. So I think that gets a little interesting, but again, I, I just don't know what that costs the Blazers and what you have to do to make sure that gets done. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think there's, there's two main things that really stick out. The first one just being, you know, I think that Levine's numbers were a little down across the board relative to his 2021 year when his first all-star year when he had 27 points a game, but he didn't have as many guys he needed to pass to keep mouse fed on that squad. But, you know, I just think that 24 points a game and about four and four rebounds and assists, would you rather pay a young up and coming guy in Anthony Simons, 25 million or, or Zach Levine, 35 or 40 or whatever that it's probably closer to 40, wherever that number lines up. Right. And then the second one, being uh not to mention the opportunity cost yeah. that you know that that delta between the contracts but second one to me too is even though his numbers were across the board last year i thought it was his best year as professional and i think a huge part of that was playing next to lonzo ball mm-hmm. who could cover a lot of his you know i kind of mentioned him earlier but can cover a lot of things that levine does not do um as far as defensively and just ball moving and and so you take lonzo ball and and put lillard there that's a really different look. And to your point, we've kind of seen that for two, you know, shoot first off. And granted, we're probably going to see it again when, when we resign signs <laughs> yeah. to another deal. But that's a conversation for a later date. Yeah. I I mean, you, you bring up a great point about Lonzo Ball. And you look at the type of players that the Bulls went and targeted to make sure Zach Levine worked. And that's the type of players that, I, you know, me and you both really want to see the Blazers go out and target. You got Exactly. You're going to get in Patrick Williams in the draft. You're going to get in DeMar DeRozan, a lengthy secondary facilitator that can do a lot of different things. You're going out and getting Lonzo Ball. You're going out and getting Alex Caruso. Like these are all mm-hmm. players that complement Zach Levine's style the same way that you need those type of players to complement Damian Lillard's style. Like though their skill sets are not necessarily complementary. I mean, you're basically going, we're going to score more points than you. And like you said, like we both said, we've seen that. And it, it can be fun. Don't get me wrong, but you know, you get to Western conference finals and you get swept with a team that's actually playing for a title. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm we just, out. We just spent some time on something. We both kind of discount is even happening. 
<laughs> but, but hey, we covered it. Yeah. Hey, you know, it's the we're, dog we're dangles on that one. You know, we're, we're still a little ways away from the lottery, which we'll, we're going to be, that's going to be the back half of the show. Um, so the other big news coming out of Portland, obviously the biggest news uh, outside of the Zach Levine news. I mean, Zach Levine's a rumor. This is actual news for the Blazers is something we talked about on a previous episode is uh, Joe Cronin has had the interim tag removed from his title. He got a four-year deal. He is Portland's new GM. Um, Pretty big vote of confidence when I I don't know what the inner workings of that contract are, Um, but it's pretty big move for the Blazers to say we are moving forward with Joe Cronin especially when you you look at how the structure of the organization is right now where there is not a president of basketball operations in place so you're saying the next person who gets hired into that position better get along with Joe Cronin because he's here so what do you make of signing Joe Cronin I mean we've kind of talked about this a little bit of how it's a little bit too soon to tell but um what do you make of them uh making it official, giving Joe Cronin a four-year deal. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to – we beat on it, right? Mm-hmm. You can't really judge all his moves in totality yet, especially with the whole offseason ahead of him. Um, I'll, I'd probably die on the hill that the Covington-Pal trade was pretty rough, but well, – I don't think you you're, know, I don't I, think you're alone on that hill, bud. <laughs> no, 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 no. That hill's packed. It's more like a concert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm just happy personally that – yeah, one of my biggest criticisms of him retaining the interim title was that I thought it showed a complete, a complete lack of leadership at the top from the organization. And, and to hang on to a guy with an interim title for so long mm-hmm. in such a critical offseason was just kind of mind-blowing to me. Mm-hmm. And so a little bit of me is just happy that they finally made a bold move and, and said, okay, this is our guy, let's move forward, rather than just kind of having that odd – is he the guy or is he not the guy kind of cloud lingering over the organization? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you completely. Um, I, I think for me, as far as the reaction goes, I'm a little hesitant. Like I, I kind of call bullshit on anybody who's like hardcore, like this is the worst thing ever. Or like, yeah. Oh man, I'm so happy. Joe Cronin's here. Like, I'll be honest, as far as the front office goes and where they went in the direction of the GM, I am still like on the proverbial beach with a cocktail in my hand, basking in the sun where Neil O'Shea no longer is. And I think that's kind of where I've been for a while. And and so I kind of got to snap into reality here and start really trying to uh, do my due diligence and make sure that, you know, I'm just as critical of, of Joe Cronin as I was of Neil O'Shea later in his career. Now, granted, Joe Cronin is not a tremendous asshole. So like that's working in his favor. So, um, so that, uh, and I just don't want to be like, Oh, I like Joe Cronin. Cause he's not a jerk in press conferences, but like, man, it sure, it sure doesn't hurt. I'll, I'll say that. So, <laughs> um, like, you know, I, I think I, I'm snapping into where I have to do my due diligence. Cause we're going to start to see what all these moves really got the blazers. I mean, the Norm Powell, Robert Covington trade, obviously from an asset exchange uh, standpoint, does not look great. What you got was flexibility. Now, can the Blazers use that flexibility? Like the the bill is going to come due on that. Um, same thing with the CJ McCollum deal. Um, I, I don't think that'll necessarily be closed until kind of that Bucks pick does something, whether that's a trade this offseason or or down the road they actually use sure. it or trade it down the road. Um, but yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> 
I, I'm just really weary of like the Portland meltdown today. It was like a perfect storm of like Blazer fans really having a tough, uh, some Blazer fans having a really tough day. Like it was like Zach Levine yeah. trade and then Joe Cronin and then the sky is falling. And I'm like, I mean, come on. Well, welcome to the offseason, yeah. baby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, this was always probably going to be the, the most likely outcome once they let Cronin hire Andre Patterson as their yeah. assistant GM. Yeah. I think to think that they would shit can Cronin. <laughs> well, shit can might not be the correct word here yeah. since he's never fully hired in yeah. the job anyway, but to allow him to hire an assistant GM. This is probably always the move I, I assume they would make. And so I'm just glad they did something. Um, I, I did think it was interesting that they gave him full four full years, which does align with head coach Chauncey Billups's contract. So um, I think even in some of the pieces I read today, I, I can't recall the exact outlet, but they, they mentioned that I think part of retaining him was his close relationship with Chauncey going back to their Colorado days and, and I think it does kind of make sense just to package those two guys. It's, it's very similar to the Stotts old Shea deal where they were kind of like a package deal. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't get it done. And then they're sort of both out, obviously one of them under very different circumstances than the other. But um, I don't hate the idea of packaging a, a coach and a GM kind of together. If you feel like they have good synergy, because that is a that is a must between those two positions. Yeah. And, and because of their established relationship, you have a, a lesser chance of one of them wielding a knife in an offseason a couple <laughs> years from now, like we saw where, uh, you know, it was kind of no holds bar for uh, for Mr. Olshay as far as uh, being yeah. very comfortable uh, stabbing Terry right in the face and in the back. So um, it'll be a, a lot of old Shay love. You know, I missed, I mi- you know, I didn't know the Cronin signing was going to bring it out of me, but it did. It did. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, I think moving forward, obviously a huge off season. We're going to see what the return really is on these trades. Um, jury's still out, man. Like that's my thing is like, I'm, it's hard to get too excited about this. I, I think the more important move is who the Blazers put in that president of basketball operations position or, or do they fill it or do they, you know, is it still going to be, you know, the Vulcans, is it going to be Burt cold or, or are they going to put somebody in that position? I think that's the most encouraging move is if they go with an actual basketball person in that spot, but that is too how much, how much money would you pay out of pocket to get Burt cold on the show? I want to know more about this guy. Oh man. Write, write a, write a book, Burt. Yeah. Do something. Are we yeah. I, like hear him the shadow puppet in the background, <laughs> yeah. but I don't know a damn thing about the guy. You know, I but think, I know he's but I think if he involved. does the book or he goes on a show, I mean, it, it instantly uh, removes the, 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 the most, the best part of Burt Cold is you don't know who Burt Cold is. So I, uh, I'm immune to criticism. Really? Yeah. I don't mean, he, does he even exist, Steve? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe he's just, a, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to quote Ann Rand on this show, but like, I mean, is he John Galt, man? I, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, but um, yeah, I, I don't know about, uh, about Burt Cold and maybe it's better off that way, but I, I do think the president of basketball operations position is the biggest deal here. Um, and really everybody can just calm down. We're going to have plenty of time to panic next week. Which brings us to the next topic of Mm -hmm. we got the draft lottery one week from today when we're recording May 17th, huge day, a pivotal day in the Damian Lillard era. Um, 
for the Blazers in general, what really happens here? Uh, a full-on tank job, what's the reward? Um, or, or are they going to get a lump of coal? You know, who knows? And so let's just dive real quick into the odds one last time. So the Blazers have about a 9% chance of each of the top four spots. So they have a 9% chance at the one spot, the 9% chance at the two spot, 9% chance at the three spot, 9% chance at the four spot. So the goal here is to get them into the top four. Um, if they fall out of the top four, if you're looking at the matrix of odds for each pick, you'll notice the Blazers have no chance at getting the number five pick. So if they fall out of the top four, the earliest they can pick is six. So, and the reason that is, is how this lottery draw works in the modern era is if a team, they, they draw the first four picks. If a team falls out of the four picks, it's guaranteed the, the four worst teams. If one of them falls out, they are guaranteed the fifth pick. And statistically, some, one of them is probably going to fall out. And if they don't, it'll pro, it'll go to the, the Pacers who are staying, sitting at that five spot. So mm-hmm. that's best case scenario. Worst case scenario, Portland has a 0.1% chance of falling all the way back to number 10. So if they land at number 10, just know that the universe is ultimately against the trailblazers and you know, you might as well pack it in. Like if they, if they land at the 10 spot, like that is, that's rough. I mean, that's putting your entire 401 K on double green zero at, at, in Vegas. I mean, not quite that bad, but it's not great. Um, then 3.7 chance that they fall back to nine, 20% chance to land at eight, 30% chance at seven, and only that time, that 8% chance at, at number six, which is mm-hmm. technically where they sit right now. But when you factor in the percentages on either side of them, you know, that's probably, they're going to fall somewhere in that, in that six to eight range or, or in the top four is, is what it looks like statistically. So Brian, what are you doing to make sure that you don't upset the basketball gods for the next week? Is there anything actively you're doing or any thoughts on the odds? Hey, it's producer Perry here, and I want to talk to you about a new app we've been using here on the Church of Roy called ColorCast. ColorCast is a live audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and totally free to use. You can talk to me, other fans, Brian, Steve, athletes, and insiders all in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. And the best thing is that you can share your own experiences on the app. All you have to do is download the ColorCast app free on the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join any group you want. It's that easy. That's the ColorCast app on the iOS App Store. Steve, I'm just going to be really straight with you on the on how the basketball gods are feeling. I don't think there's anything I can do to <laughs> to reverse what has taken place in the uh, 21-22 Trailblazers season. But uh, well, let me say, just just a lot of hopes and wishes that things go our way. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as far as karma goes, we, we got some stuff against us. But you know what? So do most of the teams above us too right so so you're going the, the major political route you're you're sending thoughts and prayers to the blazers and hoping they land they land in top four pick which yeah i'm, I'm, is I'm not, not taking here. any no culpability on my part here I, i'm just a i'm a passive watcher yeah. um and hopefully we didn't anger him too bad with some of our antics so but so i'm going through like a kind of a a masochistic approach where i am paying penance to the basketball gods where i 
I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch the final 10 minutes of the 2000 Western Conference Finals for the first time since I was 14 years old. I think that's, I have decided that is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, to take that pain yes. to free the Blazers going forward. Um, obviously, I'm not going to touch on anything with Brandon Roy, but um, I, I am definitely, I, I think I'm going to bite the bullet and do the 2000 Western Conference Finals in an attempt to appease the basketball gods, to, to sacrifice my own mental health, to, to sit through the 10 minutes in order the, for the Blazers to get a top four pick. I mean, Brian, are you with me or are you concerned for my health? What are you thinking? Uh, you know, I, I, well, I'm certainly concerned for your health. I mean, always um, are, buddy. <laughs> you're, my girlfriend's never seen me cry and puke at the same time. So I guess I, I guess I could put that on and, you know, we could, you know, mm-hmm. jump some barriers and make some progress. But yeah. You know, I think that's probably the best thing you could possibly do as a Blazer fan. Um, I don't know about it, that. You got to be the right kind of Blazer fan. <laughs> if, it does, if it doesn't work out, though, then you're really just like, that, you know, getting that pick seven or eight is just going to be a really mm-hmm. large, larger kick to the balls it would be anyway. So, yep. I don't know, man. You do what you got to do. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, rooting, I'm rooting for you, and whatever you do, I hope it works. So let's just let's just talk about kind of what happens. So obviously, if the Blazers land in the top four. Um, top three specifically that's kind of the the goldilocks zone of this draft um so you have three players you've heard me talk about this a ton of times but we might have some first-time listeners or people getting ready for the draft here's a quick refresher i think you have three guys you can't miss on in this draft i think you can fall in love with one more than the other i don't think i have a hard time putting any one of these three players ahead of one of the other ones i I think there's a lot to like about all of them i think there's some concerns about each one of them so you got Chet Holmgren, Gonzaga guy, uh, tall center, uh, in a class of his own when you're looking at uh, efficiency numbers, what he does as a shot blocker, what he does uh, staying out of foul trouble. For a player his size, he has clear guard skills. Um, some of the stuff he does is just stuff that you don't see a big man do. The problem is, is he stick thin, and that really drives people crazy. Um he did not have any injury, any injury history, knock on wood, coming into this year, played through a very physical Gonzaga season, um, made it through. Second player, Jabari Smith, Auburn, um, basketball DNA, has family that were pro basketball players. Um, excellent, excellent offensive fundamentals. Uh, a pure shooter um, at his size. You're talking about a player that's not going to get his shot blocked very often. Um, kind of underdeveloped in other parts of his game inside the post, but there's so much to build off of size athletically and his shooting touch. There's so much you can't teach. And and he certainly has that. And also he played in an Auburn system that, you know, he was not the center. He was not sitting in the, in the center of that paint. That was Kessler's job there. So Mm -hmm. in a new system, he could potentially uh, blossom into more of a rim protector, or he could be someone who could pivot to the small forward position. Really. I mean, there's a lot of flexibility there. And then finally, and you're talking about those top three guys, uh, Paulo Buncaro, um, not Patrick Mahomes as he was mistaken for at the F1 race in Miami this week, but um, Duke, Duke player uh, from the Pacific Northwest, from Seattle, um, just did it all for Duke last year, was the primary facilitator for, you know, the majority of their offensive sets, Um, gets downhill, got a lot of size, going to play that three, four position, um, 
could probably moonlight as a small ball five could be your point mm-hmm. guard on offense. Like uh, there's a lot he can do. Um, he was a high usage player. So some of his efficiency numbers dipped a little bit and cause there was such a high usage on offense, some of his defensive metrics also suffered, but you're talking about a guy who, who did everything on, on an excellent Duke team last year. So those are the top three, the Blazers land at number one, Brian, do you have a feeling on who you'd like to take of those three players? I think I'm going Jabari Smith. I don't know if he's the highest upside guy, mm-hmm. but just his ability to stretch the floor to his size. I think he's going to be just fine defensively. Um, and if we, you know, the Portland essentially keeps the squad intact with Nurk and, and Simons and everything. I just really like, I really like what he'd bring from that four position to me. It's a pretty seamless fit and the kind of four that Portland's been looking for since I'm not saying he's LaMarcus. He has different play. You know, he's much more face up kind of, kind of four, but he's the kind of four we've been looking for since LaMarcus left. So for me, it's pretty easy. However, I am, I'll, I'll admit he's my one, but I'm extremely intrigued by Holmgren. Mm-hmm. He's just really hard to evaluate, right? If he was 30 pounds thicker, is he the consensus number one? I, you know, yeah, I, I think I, so. I think so. I, I, I kind of think so too, you know, and, and it's like, you think back, when's the last blue chip prospect everyone says is too skinny? That'd be a guy by the name of Kevin Durant, and that worked out. <laughs> pretty well yeah uh not to not, bring up not bad the shit. Blazers, <laughs> yeah, not to bring up some old bad shit yeah but you know what i mean and so, so i i kind of do struggle there um but i think i'd take smith just because what he can bring but i feel like right now we're at chet it might take him a couple years to get used to the level of physicality in the nba i don't know man i'm not worried i know jabari's a safe pick and if the blazers got jabari smith i would i'm gonna be ecstatic Mm-hmm. Same with Paulo. Yeah. But I think Chet, I, I just, I can't pass on Chet Holmgren. I know I'm a Gonzaga Ooh. homer, but what, what he does, he's in a class of his own as far as efficiency goes. I know he's undersized. He played out of position last year. I mean, he should have been playing in spots like Drew Timmy was playing in, but, you know, they allowed Drew Timmy to continue to play. I mean, he has, he's a, one of the greatest Gonzaga Bulldogs of all time. Um, Chet Holmgren, has a bright future. And if my bit, if his biggest knock is he's got to put on a little weight, you know, what happens when you get older, you put on a little weight. Like I'm not yeah, worried. Believe that. I'm, not, I'm <laughs> not worried about it. Like it'd be one thing if he was injury prone, this is not a, a bowl bowl situation where bowl mm-hmm. bowl had this really skinny frame and he was also injury prone and people were worried about his frame because of those injuries. Chet Holmgren's really skinny, no injury history. Like, I'm not worried about it. Um, if your only critique on Chet Holmgren is his weight, I, I don't, I don't want to hear it. Like, we can talk about, you know, can his athleticism translate to the half court at the next level, which I think there are some concerns. Like, I think the, the concerns I have around Chet Holmgren is he's, he's long, not fast. So, like, I, I think there are teams that are going to test him in space, and we're going to see that at the next level. But Jabari's the same way. Jabari is incredibly stiff in pick and roll defense, which I think that's another thing where it's correctable. You can you can mm-hmm. fix that problem. But Chet Holmgren it almost finished ninety percent of his shots at the rim. He's undersized. Well, it didn't bother him. 
he's undersized. He had the highest block rate, one of the highest block rates in all of college basketball, along with an incredibly low foul rate for a player who's playing in those positions. That tells me that even if he loses position, he remains effective. And the how he blocks a shot, this is what I think sealed it for me, is Chet Holmgren blocks a shot like a 15-year veteran that knows what he's doing. He doesn't block to put it into the third row. He blocks to create another possession. He's tipping it to himself. He's tipping it to teammates. And that stuff is, is just things that takes years for young players to learn. And he is so far ahead of that. And really, if he's playing in an open style, he's going to be able to get up and down the court and he's going to be able to create shots. He was a much better three-point shooter later on in the year. Um, I think he's ready to go. Um, do you think Do you think he's a certified five in the NBA? I, I don't know. I, I think, it, think I think it depends on the team and the and the scheme and the personnel to the on the team that he goes to. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think he will finish his career as a center. Um, sure. Yeah. But I, I think he could play for at the next level. And why I say that is he can shift out to the perimeter. He can avoid fouls and he's incredibly effective as a help side shot blocker. Like I, I think you, you're going to be fine. And he closes, he closes space effectively. Now, again, he's a long strider, which that is a little bit of a problem in half court, but like he's going to be able to keep pace with, with smaller fours. Um, of course he is going to have to develop, a post game to punish smaller players. And and what's really funny about Chet Holmgren too on defense is he actually does better defensively against traditional centers than power forwards, which is, it seems really weird, but like when he's playing against a bigger player, he does a really good job of using his frame to create a wedge. He almost creates like a, it looks like a 90 degree wedge that he bends at the hip and he just stops people. Like people don't get space on him. Um, But if he's playing against a small, like a smaller post player, he struggles because he can't get low. He can't get that anchor that he can on some of these traditional big men. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's why, that's why I say long-term, I think he's a center, but I think he's going to gain you, weight. Yeah. I mean, like you said, getting older is any indication. I, I can for a hundred percent say you, you, you do gain weight as you mm-hmm. get older. So that's, so do you have Chet one? Jabari two on your wish list for Portland or I think for Portland. Yes. But I think yeah. if I was another team. I, I, I think Paulo's right, right there with, with Jabari. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah. but really, I don't like, go ahead. I don't like his, I don't like his, I don't like Paolo's fit quite as well mm-hmm. with Portland just because I think he'll need the ball in his hands to be effective and has, I think a few more questions defensively than those other two guys. But <clears throat> I mean, would I be thrilled to have him? Hell yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Even if, if we get three and he's there, take him and see what we can do. Yeah, I, I really don't think you can go wrong with any of the top three players in this draft. Um, yeah. I, I think you can make a, a firm case for any one of them to be the number one pick. Um, I, I really get it. Like, and, and when I, you know, I sit here and I spout off about how much I like Chet Holmgren, I, I can do the same for, for Jabari and I can do the same for Paulo. And sure. there might be a time where I'm doing that later on this off season. So if you're looking at where they might actually end up, you know, we look at that, you know, six to eight range is, is you know, especially eight and nine, you know, statistically mm-hmm. the highest spots for them to land at. Um, you kind of get into no man's land in a hurry in this draft. So I think there, there is a, a firm top tier of the three players we just talked about. And then I think there is this kind of middle tier of 
four to five <laughs> players. I don't think you can really get wrong. And then you, you go to the next tier after that. So in that range, I, I think the players that obviously Blazer fans are looking at is shade on sharp who didn't play this year at Kentucky, but is, you know, borderline number one recruit. We talked about him a little bit already. Um, super talented, but just completely unproven. Um, Keegan Murray could get into the mix, which is he's kind of the polar opposite of what shade on sharp is. You know exactly what you're getting. Um, not necessarily the highest ceiling, but a proven producer at the college level. I have my doubts. Um, I think Jaden Ivy is going to be <laughs> off the board by then. Um, Johnny Davis, if you look at, depending on where you're looking at, you know, he can be anywhere from five to like 13. I think mm-hmm. Johnny Davis might be off the board by then too. I, I think after watching what he does and there's just not a hole in his game really. And, and his biggest knock is efficiency. And I think that's going to come up at the next level. So I think the players, the, the Blazers are looking at if they land where the math is kind of pointing to is I, I think you're looking at Keegan Murray, Shaden Sharp, potentially AJ Griffin. Um, Benedict Matherin, Jalen Duran, Dyson Daniels, Jeremy Sohan. I think that's your, I think that's your kind of your player pool there. Um, mm-hmm. I know I give them to you rapid fire, but is there a player kind of in that cluster that stands out to you that if the Blazers land at that spot, that's where you would want them to keep the pick, which we'll talk about the alternative here in a second. Um, would you like them to keep the pick and select that player? Well, I'm going to tell you right now that I'm very – let me rephrase this before I go down this road. But typically, I'm absolutely best player available, no doubt about it. Just pick the guy who you think is going to be the best NBA basketball player. Mm-hmm. But look, you know, we got a point guard who's 31 who we just tanked entire season for. Simons was that guy, and it took him four years to round into form. So taking a guard here to me makes absolutely no sense, even though I'm a little more partial to the guards in that range. Mm-hmm. And so for me, maybe so on, I guess I'm not thrilled about it. I, uh, you know, I have this thing where six men in college, here we go. Don't, don't <laughs> draft him. Hey, he couldn't even start on his, he couldn't even start on his own college team, dude. He's closing, he's closing, he's, gonna he's closing those games out though. Playing when the minutes was it, was this, mattered the most. Is this the Dion Waiters corollary where it's like, oh, well, he, he was out there finishing games, you know, the guy's a star. All right. No, I, I like I, I like what he brings to the table. I think he could do a lot of good things for Portland, but I just don't know if the talent level is quite, quite there. And I think he might be getting overrated just because everybody wants that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I obviously, Brian loves to rib on me a little bit about Jeremy Sohan because I, I do love Jeremy Sohan. Um. I think the player in this range that I, I slept on a lot during the season. And I, you know, I'll be honest, I crammed a lot of G league games uh, at the <laughs> end. Uh, Dyson Daniels is really impressive to me for what he does and, and what he did for that team. Um, the G league ignite ignite team. He really took a backseat. That team didn't have a true point guard. I mean, this is a guy who basically stepped in, you know, six, six, rumors are he's just over 200 pounds now um played point guard all last year set the table for everybody else did not look for his offense first um not the most efficient scorer from three-point land last year but he's just wired like a, a veteran basketball player and i think that's the most intriguing thing for me in this spot for him and very similar to johnny davis it's hard to point 
poke holes in their game. Like there's one spot where like he's incredibly weak in this area. Like mm-hmm. Dyson Daniels isn't that. And I also think we've seen him not only play a little bit out of position, but we've played it, seen him play out of a role that he probably doesn't belong in either. And he's still thrived. I mean, he's still going to be a top 10 pick this year. Um, sure. I'd be shocked if he falls out of the top 10. Um, I think he's someone incredibly interesting for the Blazers. And plus, if the Blazers keep Joe Ingles, baby, we got two Australians. They live 30 minutes yeah. apart. I mean, you know, and not only is it Australians, it's also like Melbourne area. So shout out, Adrian. Um, I want to see another Australian. Melbourne. Melbourne. I can't I can't do it, man. He was making fun of us for not being on the metric system in Blazers Slack today. And I just I didn't have I just can't defend the metric. I can't defend our non-use of the metric system. So like I just had to take it so um anyway i, I where, where i have where i have a problem and, I, and i'm not disagreeing within your evaluations mm-hmm. i like several guards like i said mm-hmm. in that range but for me even if with daniels even if he is a rumor over 200 pounds maybe six seven that's not horrible size for a three but it would just be nice to try on a team <laughs> that has size that had size at one position other than center. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, I think with these two small guards, we have to get bigger on the wings, and I don't think he accomplishes that. And so even if he turns out to be a great player, I think it would be probably, you know, when Dame's 33, 34, and we're looking at kind of a whole other, whole other phase of the franchise, which if you want to do that, that's fine. But for now, we need to go out. We need to get size and athleticism on the wings, which – Maybe there's another avenue for that via trade, which yep. I think we're yeah, going to discuss. So that's the next part. We've talked about the players that are probably going to be available at the positions the Blazers are potentially going to be picking at. Um, the other side of this coin is Blazers can trade this pick. Even if it lands in the top four, you get a top four pick and you can throw that into a trade with their cap flexibility. You're probably going to go out and get a pretty damn good player. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about the potential of trading a top four pick. Brian, is it take use the top four pick or do you go and really try to win now with Dame? Because as much as I love Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith, and Paulo Boncaro, I do, I, I do think each one of those guys is going to need some time to develop, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, are you on board for trading a top four pick? <laughs> I'd really, I'd really have to know who's on the board. Right. I think there's, there's a fine line where it's just like, you're, you're undervaluing. You have to have stars win the NBA. And if you're training for a guy who's not an absolute star, then I would say, no, take the pick. Unless, Hey, if you're at four and it's just Jaden Ivy sitting there and, and the three top bigs are gone, then I, then I think about it a lot harder, but if you're in that top three, man, it'd have to be a pretty damn good pick, I think, but I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. So it would just depend on what's out there. Be- better or worse than Jimmy Butler a- age included. I think, I think Jimmy Butler would get it done for me. Okay, all right. I think that's I think that's a good baseline here. Um, yeah, no, I, th- I think that's about right. And that's not, and I'm not. There's no recency bias there after he kicked all that ass the other night. Like I just think <laughs> Jimmy Butler's a fantastic player. Would bring a lot to what Portland needs. I think that's a good like barometer mm-hmm. there. Yeah, I, I think Jimmy Butler's my 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 line of how I feel about it. And I don't know if I am above or below him in that pecking order. Um, but it makes you go, uh, yeah, I'm certainly going to think yeah. about it. You hopefully there's some, you know, hopefully that's just either the trade straight up, but ideally maybe you get some, some other draft capital back, but I don't know why the heat would do that. Um, 
and then obviously if the Blazers fall closer to where they're projected to land right now, um, I'm completely on board for trading that pick at that point. I, I mean, there are guys I like, but I think for what you mentioned, the guards here are more enticing. Do you really want to win with Damian Lillard here? And if, and if you think the top three guys are going to need some time to develop, the guys in this range are going to need some time to develop, no doubt about it. So I think that's where you, you really start to look at what's available veteran-wise. And it's not going to be nearly the tier of player that if it's a top three pick or even a top four pick, because teams are going to really fall in love with Jaden Ivey, I'm sure of it. Um, I, I've, got a little, I've got a little sprinkle on him <laughs> yeah. going pretty early on on a gambling account. Yeah, yeah. If it hits, I'm going to be a happy guy. If you hit, that'll be that'll be a payout of this. I mean, not a huge pay, not a crazy payout, but that'll be a big win. Like that'll be an under like a, a win I did not see coming. Um, best guard in the draft. All it takes one team falling up. Best guard in the draft. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. I don't know, man. Um, anyway. I don't know either. I just, I just like the value. <laughs> I, I just like gambling, man. So, um, <laughs> uh, I'm on board completely for trading the the pick if it lands, you know, six through eight. Uh, Brian, your thoughts before we get out of here. Six through eight, absolute trade, or, or you're still rolling the dice with high upside young talent. Um, unless somebody, unless one of those bigs falls, like I take Keegan Murray there. I think just mm-hmm. snag him and move on. Um, he's really the only guy I see dropping or that's projected to go above that range mm-hmm. or or on borderline. That if he dropped, I think I'd take him and just move move forward. Um, but yeah, I think otherwise I'd probably be looking looking to move that baby. Yeah, I, I think where I, you you potentially run into trouble with trading that pick for a veteran is you, you got to really not handicap yourself w- with cap flexibility. Uh, I think mm-hmm. if you're trading that seventh pick or sixth pick, you're going after the best player possible that fits in that trade exception. You know, I, I think that's what you're trying to do. You don't want to exceed that. Ca- you don't want to give up any of your other flexibility to trade that pick for a veteran. You want to hang on to every ounce of flexibility elsewhere. Um, to to go after a veteran player like that and i think that's my my biggest caveat with with trading that pick is sure if you're moving and accept you know you're staying on the current timeline you're on now uh don't handicap yourself with what resources you do have left if you do trade it now last thing you know you trade that pick i think it's easier to trade that pick too when you think about where the blazers are picking in the second round i really do think they're going to get first round value in the mid thirties, there's going to be some guys that drop out of this first round that you're going to be surprised are going to be there. And these guys are are typically in that range. You're seeing players that didn't necessarily go right their freshman year or high production players from college, which could also very easily fit into what the Blazers are trying to do in the short term. So, and the Blazers traditionally have had luck at this position. So um, anyway, Brian, long winded episode. Um, I have my homework assignment. I have to go watch uh, Blazers lose games. So, uh, Brian, <laughs> anything before we get out of here? No, I think next time we'll be talking. We'll know exactly where we are in the lottery here, and I'm really looking forward to it, man. I think I've been looking forward to a week from today for what feels like, I don't know, man. When do we shut Dame down? Yeah, <laughs> it's about that. Yeah, it's about that. So it's going to be an exciting. We got an exciting time ahead of us. Can't wait. Mm-hmm. All right. 
that's it. I'll have some more draft profiles coming out on Blazers Edge this week. Um, I'll be kind of wrapping up the lottery type players. So I just did Johnny Davis the other day. I have Paulo coming up this week. He's my last big one. And then uh, I'll probably be looking at Mark Williams for Duke as well. So um, player we didn't talk about today. But anyway, next week we're going to – I think we're going to hold our recording until we know where the lottery position is, and then we'll have a new show for mm-hmm. you that you can be a, you'll be able to listen to on Wednesday. So – All right, everybody, stay safe, stay sane. Don't piss off the basketball gods. We're almost there. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Church of Roy podcast. If you like what you've heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcasts. And while you're at it, go follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy Pod. We'll see you next week. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.